Hello. Yeah, I'm just trying stuff out. I'm just playing around with it. So let's begin. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the It's Too Wordy Comic Bud podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And this week, we are talking about Robin Hood Justice for the letter, or actually, it's not for the letter R, that's our new book for the week. It just happens to coincide with the letter R, which is the letter we are on for the week this week as well. So, with that being said... We'll go ahead and get rolling a little bit. All right. Uh, so Robin Hood Justice. Um, I know, Nick, you didn't get a chance to pick this up. That's okay. Um, yeah, I missed out. <clears throat> did you? <laughs> um, so this is a book by Zenscope, and they are most known for their grim fairy tale storylines. Um. And Robin Hood has actually been around for Zenscope since 2012. And there's actually a timeline in the back of this that kind of gives you an idea of uh, all the story arcs. So there's uh, Riot Girl series, there's I Love New York, The Hunt, The Curse, The Outlaw. There's even a couple of crossovers where she teams up with Little Red Riding Hood. Um, and this is the latest in the series. Um and this is what they say for the book. Uh, Robin is still an outlaw vigilante and being hunted by all forms of law enforcement. Now knows who is responsible for the systematically picking apart of her life. She's still unable to show her face in the public or rely on her closest friends. She must find a way to set things right and clear her name once and for all. With her world, uh, let's see, with her world constantly crashing down around her, new threats popping up. Will Robin have what it takes? keep going and survive this new set of problems and punish those who did this to her. That makes it sound really cool. Then you read it. Um, this is by Chuck Dixon as the writer and the artwork was by Babus Cortis. And the artwork wasn't bad. Um, I feel that they probably could have given us a little bit more of the description because honestly, I haven't read Robin Hood, this Robin Hood character for a number of years and they bring us into almost like a um, Terminator type world where there's robots that are going to now go out and they can, or I guess uh, more along the lines of the centuries from the X-Men, the robots that have the face facial recognition and, uh, if they show any kind of a threat, they will attack and attempt to kill the individual. And um, the downside with this is that the it kind of goes into some stuff that you're just not aware of. For example, the mayor of New York is some kind of witch, apparently. When she snaps her fingers, she takes the life from individuals. Um, Robin is hanging out with this psychic character who is trying to reach um, somebody named let's see where's the name of that one uh, 
spectator. Uh, <laughs> but they really don't explain what the purpose of it is at all. Um, just it felt very weak storytelling wise. Um, I wish they would have given you a little bit more detail going in because obviously this is picking up from that previous series outlaw, but you don't know what's actually happening. You just know that she's now on the run and with robots going after her and Tater may be a good guy, bad guy type thing. And they meet on the underworld or something like that uh, on a dreamscape or something. I don't know. It just, there wasn't a lot of sense to be made out of it. Um, I would probably tell you to pass on it. I love the character of Robin Hood. I think the art was absolutely beautiful. And I like what Chuck Dixon normally does. He, I really liked him when he was doing uh, some of the Batman stuff and uh, Nightwing stuff. But with this, it just wasn't hitting home for me at all. So, uh, yeah, Nick, I don't think you missed anything there. Yeah. Mm, I don't feel like I did either. I saw some reviews online, and I read some, and they were like, it's really good, but it's really slow. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Hey. I've read enough Zenoscope to know that uh, I don't like it. Yeah. I did like the original Grimm's storylines that they had. Where they kept retelling. I tried, but I was in that in that phase of everything has to be a fairy tale right now. Yeah. And ugh. See, so, I think I started getting into it a little bit after that kind of phase had been gone through, and I was like, eh, I want something different. Let's give this a shot. That kind of a deal. Yeah. So all right. Uh well, what do you have for your letter R? For your random read or your uh, or your so it's it's read. hard for me to just like to choose because I, I read three R books. Yeah. Uh, let's let's do this. Uh, Ultraverse Rune. Nice by okay. Barry Windsor Smith. Uh, he wrote and drew it along with Scott Elm, uh, Chris Ulm. So this came out in January of 1994. And I don't remember Ultraverse being that old. Like it, for me, that's not the year I graduated high school. I don't remember that being out then. So maybe it's right. just seem, and this isn't the beginning of Ultraverse either. So Ultraverse had to be older than that. I do have a copy of strangers over here, which I probably should look at the date, but it's not a big deal. <clears throat> so let me just point out, when I was a kid, I hated Barry Windsor Smith's art. Hated it. Like, I, I, I never picked up the issues of the X-Men that he did. I didn't like any of the Conan that he did. And I think in my 30s is when I started to appreciate him. This book is crazy. This is like you just gave Barry free reign to do whatever he wanted. And... He kind of does. This book has everything in it. So it starts out with this guy named Eric Johnson, and he's asleep, but he's having nightmares. He's constantly having nightmares about um, some demon that's with long fangs and is ripping his throat out. And he he wakes up, and the thing from his nightmares jumps through his window and attacks him. And it's Rune, and Rune is this giant 
gangly kind of purple vampire and his family hear him and they rush in and rune attacks his father for getting in the way and if you read ultraverse there was something that happened like an event where certain people got powers out of like this weird explosion and apparently eric is one of them because he uses some kind of like telekinesis to shove rune out of his house across the street and into power lines where he gets trapped right mm -hmm. and this is where the story really gets weird so the cops show up to the house to investigate what happened there's this weird officer that's like you never saw this this never happened this doesn't go in any report and they're like who the hell are you right the other cops are like who the hell are you and his dad w wasn't a real human it was some kind of biocon which is a robot so so we have weird robots taking over humans in this. Then this officer takes the body of Rune to this weird medical lab. And his doctor is some kind of misshapen cyborg who wants to dissect him and figure out where his power comes from. Oh, yeah. Let me just say, this book is nuts. It is crazy. But it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, it's. I bought it for a quarter. Yeah, check it out. It's, it's really cool. It's really fun. And, yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong with a quarter? I you can't. There's you, so many Ultraverse books. There was a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah, now I'm trying to get them all, and it's going to be impossible to find some of those. It's going to be tough. Yeah, there's a lot of titles. I think and I looked it up real quick while you're uh, trying to figure out, you know, when you were bringing up what year you, when they came out. It actually started in 93. Yeah, and I don't remember. 93 to like three, like 96, I think. Yeah, it's weird because I, it's maybe I just am remembering it wrong, but I could have sworn it was later than that, but. I don't remember getting these in high school. Maybe I don't remember seeing too many of them either, to be honest. Maybe I'm wrong. I do have a poster of freaks somewhere in my drawer. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, just check it out. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, I think my only remembering of seeing any of those were usually in a quarter bin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. All right. So, I did um, Rocket Man, King of Rocket Men, nice. issue two, nice. innovation. This I have came out ninety one. I have the graphic novels. I have two sets. Do you? One's autographed and one's three not. and four. They did not have issue one, so now I'm going to have to track that one down. Yeah. Um. Wow. I I was assuming it was very similar to or it, it was bait, you know, the movie Rocket Man. Um <laughs> I figured it was the same kind of character, you know, like that type of a deal. 
Uh, this was not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is by Chris Muller. The art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, my biggest problem was the shadowing they did on a lot of the faces. So you yep. did have, for me at least, I had a hard time kind of distinguishing who was who every so often. Um, I think they did a great job with the storytelling on this. Obviously, I don't know what happened in issue one, but it felt like it was just a good detective who's stabbing who in the back type deal. And that Rocket Man mask is just crazy. It looks like, um, oh, wow, I don't know how to describe it. it it's does like not if the Rocketeer like the wore a bucket on his head. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It, yeah. It's just a very long, drawn-out mask. It's almost like he's got a bullet head with a long, drawn-out mask uh, on the front of it. Um, this book is absolutely gorgeous. I'm so happy that I ended up picking up. Uh, I haven't even read three and four yet, but I'm very well hooked on it because of this book. And then, like, like you, picked it up for a quarter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is one part, um, I can't think of the name of the fa- the famous painting where it's got the farmer with the pitchfork and the wife standing American next. Gothic? Yeah, American Gothic. Um, a guy's out on a farm, and he's got <laughs> the farmer and his wife tied up and gagged as the two characters from American Gothic, the painting. <laughs> Um, I'm like, wait, hold on. All right. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, so yeah, that is absolutely a fun little find on it. Um, like I said, the only problem I had was some of the shadowing on the faces where you had a hard time seeing who was who, but this was absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely should check it out. Uh, if you can find it in trade, like Nick was saying that that exists. Um, if you, I think I own both copies. Oh, that are in yes. existence. There's not. There's. There's probably like two copies in existence, and I own both of them. I. I just can kidding. see why this is. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's probably a third copy somewhere in, you know, there's probably Ohio or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is absolutely gorgeous. I'm glad I picked it up. I'll be check reading those other two very shortly. So if you liked that, I would go check out the old movie serial, King of the Rocket Men and Rocket Men to the Moon. Okay. You you'd probably you'd like it. I mean, it's it's definitely 30s, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's really cool. Is that on and, uh Zoot? No. You can you can probably find it on like YouTube. Okay. And yeah, I mean, that's where Commander Cody came from. So <clears throat> there's that band Commander Cody and the, and then there's the clone trooper Commander Cody from, mm-hmm. from Star Wars. And, yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is Commander Cody wears a jetpack. So there, there's a, is there a callback to a the Rocketman? Nice. Yep. Awesome. All right. Um, so with that shop talk, um, 
they got some new toys in. They got the, I think the barge from Power of the Force. Uh, they got the Ewok, well, like the Ewok catapult, maybe. Um, I know they got like, I don't know what this is from. I, I recognize it, but I can't remember what it was from. Uh, it looks like almost like this size of a He-Man figure, but it's a skeleton. It looks like it might all like glow in the dark type deal. Isn't that skeleton glow? Yeah. I think that was what it was. Um, but they got some new toys in, so definitely check those out. Scare glow. Scare glow? Scare glow. Scare glow, okay. I knew I recognized it, I just couldn't place it. Um, yeah. They did a... Um, they went down to Texas to storage unit hunt and they came back with a bunch of comics. So they're going to be going through those over the next couple of weeks. And so we'll be seeing some new stock coming out onto the shelves there too. So a lot going on currently. All right. Well, we're just kind of cruising right along, aren't we? Um, yeah. 17 minutes in. <laughs> well, that takes us to the random reads. So uh, what do you got for random reads this week, Nick? All right. So this, this old oh boy, here we go. So here's another quarter bin find I got. And you know how I love Judge Dredd and 2080 stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I found Rogue Trooper number nine from Quality Comics from... Da, 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 da. What year is this? Uh, it doesn't matter. It's it's old dread stuff. So yeah, check it out. Cause this book is nuts. So Rogue Trooper is this he's blue, he's got a helmet on, he's got a backpack, and his helmet is sentient, but also his backpack is sentient. So he it looks like he's talking to himself, but he's actually talking to the artificial intelligence that are on his body. Really? Yeah. Explains quite a bit. Right? Well, I read the more recent series and that was going on, but I had no idea what was actually happening. Yeah. (laughs) So he's on this planet called new earth and it's after a horrible war. And actually this is during the horrible war there's a fortress called Neuropa and Neuropa is got a wall around it. That's impenetrable. And it's been there for hundreds of years. And the Southers, which are the, the, the people from the South have been trying to attack them for a couple hundred years and they're getting complacent. So on the wall, they're, they're playing cards. They're not paying attention. And Oh my God, they start to go crazy. So they're reenact, they're, they're thinking that they want to emulate things from the past, right? And so they, they decide that they're no longer called Fortress Neuropa. They are the Napoleon complex. And they're, they're talking with fake British or fake French accents. They are dressed in futuristic pseudo French uniforms. So they got the, 
the build hats. They got the the coats with the long tails and the the muskets. But they're wearing futuristic gas masks, which makes it incredibly insane. And he's like, I got to get out of here. How the hell am I going to get out of here? I got to go find out what's going on with the other civilizations, right? And he comes across this robot that is called a robe runner. And what their job used to be was they would take messages back from the front to other places to tell them where an impending attack was coming. And they they just got stopped being used. So they just became like toys for the soldiers. So they would have like fake duels and stuff with the robots. Okay, now, just if that wasn't enough of weird, this book, that's only the first half. That is only the first half of this book. And it takes, I don't know, this book probably took me about an hour to read because it's so thick. I would I, I would recommend getting a Rogue Trooper book. Just an old one. See what it's like. Probably yeah, not. I'd say go with the old one. The IDW one was not good. Yeah, don't don't pick up any British hero that's done by an American. They don't get it. We don't get it over here. We don't have the dry sense of humor. We don't have, there's just something that we, we, when we try to write for a British comic, we don't get it. Or, you know, like reading an IDW Judge Dredd. It's not the same. Hmm. I would definitely recommend picking up an old Cam Kennedy Judge Dredd or Rogue Trooper. All right, so that's my first one. That was definitely worth the quarter I bought for. <laughs> and excuse me for this I forgot to take this off first and the second one is Red Robin number one from August 2009 I thought about doing that one too <laughs> I love this book I love this book I love Tim Drake I mean I was I was probably at the right age to vote to kill uh, I can't even think of his name now. Uh, the second Jason. Robin, um, Jason Todd. Yeah, right. So once they announced that there was going to be a new Robin, I I fell in love with the suit. I fell in love with the character, and to see Tim Drake drop or crash so far as he does in this book, you know, he Bruce is dead. Mm -hmm. uh, Dick is now training Damien. So there's no room for, for Tim. So what does Tim do? He goes in around the world to find Bruce because he, he's convinced that Bruce isn't dead. Like if anybody could be alive, Bruce is. He, the only problem is he looks exactly like Captain Midnight. Yeah. Exactly like Captain Midnight. Mm -hmm. With a Hawkman emblem. Yeah, they but, weren't real creative on that. <laughs> I, I like it. I mean, I, I mean, I like the Red Robin suit, but you know, I, I love Captain Midnight. So, just kind of like the homage to him with that suit. 
what else can you say about this book? Tim's out on his own. Damien's a dick. Um, I don't know what Dick was thinking when he just kicks Tim out, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, it's a really good story. I mean, they, they bring in Rachel Ghoul, and yeah, definitely go pick it up. I mean, this was the time that I wasn't reading DC. And then I found like somebody was selling like a long box for 20 bucks. And I filled them up with that and blue devil and Batman and Robin. Yeah. Definitely go check this one out. I wish that one series would get a little bit more love. That was a fun series. Yeah. Good stuff. Cool. That's all I got. All right. Well, I too have two. Um, the first one is Sam Noir, Samurai Detective, number one, from 2006. And I remember reading this back in 2006 and really enjoying it. It was only three issues, I think. And they actually did a second follow-up series that was like three issues. It was uh, Sam Noir... Uh, Ronan Holiday, but this is from the perspective of a samurai detective. Um, they have the voice perfect with the way the old Norar books are, uh, kind of describing what's going on, how they're feeling. Um, the dame walks into the place, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. It just absolute detail and it's all in black and white and the art is just gorgeous they've done a fantastic job of lighting up the right areas and shading in the other areas so it's still kind of a mystery you get three-fourths of the way through the book before you even actually see the detective fully in some kind of light um Battle scenes are just great. There's no guns. It's all sword play. Um, they don't take themselves too seriously because there's one point where he actually jumps out his window of his office and let's see, nobody ever expects a fellow to jump out the third store window. People should expect those types of things. I do. That's why I jump out of windows because nobody thinks of it. Nice. So I, just things like that. The storytelling is just wonderful. Um, it's not a very expensive book if you can find it. Downside is there's only three issues, so uh, you're probably going to find it more in like a dollar bin or something like that. But if you happen to run across it in a back issue, absolutely pick it up. Uh, it's well worth the read. Just wonderful storytelling. Uh, Ronan Holiday was not nearly as good. They grabbed a hold of something they thought was great, and which was great, and then they tried to extend it, and they just couldn't do the follow-up as well, um, like we've seen with so many sequels of our favorite movies. Uh, yeah. So yeah. All right. The second book I've got may very well be right up there with Bloodstrike and Brigade for me as my favorite image title of all time. And I will honestly say that I can speak 
to having sold at least 40 issues of 40 issues of the number one or issue number one at the shop because I believed in this book so much and I convinced people to buy this book. Um, this is by Joe Keating and uh, Leila Del Deca. And this was released in 2014. Um, the way I kind of describe it to people is it's Back to the Future meets Indiana Jones. Um, the main character is a long line of historians and um, oh, looking for the artifacts and things like that. Um, and it's her birthday and she starts thinking about it and her dad is missing, has been missing for a number of years. Um, people recognize her because of her photos and stuff from her archaeological digs. Uh, she lives in a world where there's gigantic flying eagles. Uh, her best friend, which cracks me up because everybody likes the lion cat from... Um, oh, why am I blanking on it? Saga, Saga, thank you. Blanked on it the second I went to say it. But uh, <laughs> if you remember those old wall uh, or clocks that look like a cat and the eyeballs went back and forth as it ticked as so did the tail, right? Mm -hmm. She has a live version of that. That's her best friend. Um, you know, like I said, people recognize her. They're getting autographs from her. She goes and visits her father's grave and um, starts thinking about reliving some of the adventures that they had together. Um, and then she's attacked and she finds out she has a whole, she always thought she was a uh, only child and she finds out that she has siblings. And so the adventure goes through in her meeting her other siblings as she's crossing time and space and Oh, this is just a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, Leila Del Deca became one of my favorite artists because of this. Um, she's friends with the owner of Behind the Glass down in Lincoln. And he said he was going to try to get her in there at some point. And I'm waiting patiently for her to show up because I want her autograph. Which is... Very funny, because Nate, the owner of Behind the Glass, is also an artist, and he happened to do a pinup picture in issue two of Shudder for the book. So I have that autographed by him because of that pinup he did in the back of the book issue. Um, if you get an opportunity to read Shudder, absolutely read Shudder. Um, I like Brigade and Bloodstrike because of the whole you know, 90s, just reminiscing kind of thing. But Shudder is actually a very good, amazing book that needs to be read by anybody and everybody that wants to read something fantastic. Cool. <sighs> All right. 
All right, so we have something special. So I reached out to a friend of the show. His name is Scott Zabulam, and he gave us a review of Conan's Serpent War, and I'm going to read it now. First of all, yes, this is a strange combination. Serpent War is a four-part miniseries which brings together four characters with similar aesthetics, but from vastly different historic periods. Conan the Barbarian gets his name in the title, which is not surprising, but a little surprising at the same time. He's the most well-known character in the cast by far. This being a Marvel book, I would have thought Moon Knight would have been, would have been given top or equal billing, but it's called Conan Serpent War. So the mythology of Robert E. Howard, history begins in ancient, ancient past of Earth during the time of Atlantis, Shangri-La, and a few other proto-civilizations millions of years ago. Some of Howard's earliest stories were set in Atlantis. That age ended when Atlantis sunk in a disaster which destroyed all of the proto-civilizations. The survivors living in distant colonies became the, the ancestors of all subsequent races. Humans mostly devolved into savages. It's during the Hyborian age of Conan's stories that various races we see in mixtures are a mixture of savages and redeemed or re-emerged civilized nations. It's still far enough in the distant past that he can... I should have reread. I should have read this first, huh? But I tried. It's still fair enough in the distant past that he... That the continents were in a different formation than they are today. I might read into the crossover that a Hyborian age is now a part of canon in Marvel's Earth history. This story neither confirms nor denies it. I'll try to not read too much into it. The next figure is Solomon Kane, the character who got me interested in this book. I was like, really? Solomon Kane is a mainstream comic? That means a guy who dresses like a pilgrim or Quaker Oats guy is Solomon Kane, a Puritan from the late 1500s. As another creation of Howard's, Cain's very pious Christian adventurer who travels the world to hunt and destroy abominations, like a dragon who survived Noah's flood, for example. The third character is somebody I didn't recognize nor know about until I read this book, Dark Agnes. It turns out that Howard had a female protagonist in three of his stories. Agnes is a French swordswoman from the early 1900s. In her origin story, she escaped an arranged marriage by killing her soon-be husband and traveling Europe. She's a prototype for Red Sonia, I guess. Why has this character not become a feminist icon? <laughs> then we've got Moon Knight, who honestly is kind of a forced match. His fighting style is similar to, the, similar to the other character, but he wears a mask and operates in modern times. In this version, it's playing up his angle as a vigilante who pacted who's pacted to an ancient god, ancient Egyptian god. Khazar would have been more natural fit, but this mm -hmm. works. All that really happens in the first issue is drawing of the four heroes together. It is, a little it is a little clever and really cool how that is done, though. A reincarnating immortal uses magic to tap into the different time periods of his own past lives. His goal is to find and draw allies to him, and he's doing this as he's doing this, the four heroes are each experiencing their own adventures in our different distinct battles. As the story builds, their adventures become the wow. As the story builds, their adventures become more similar 
with each other, encountering a snake-themed cult until they are all end up fighting the same identical battles. Then there's a magic fog, and their stories have merged. Conan ends, Conan ends up face-to-face -face with Dark Agnes, and Moon Knight ends up face-to-face -face with Solomon Kane. I hope that at some point they get into the religious differences between these characters. Kane is a Christian who is absolutely would absolutely burn a witch. Actually, that might take too long. He'd just shoot and stab the witch. How is he <laughs> going to work side by side with Moon Knight, who is the actual champion of a pagan god? Then you got Conan, the Sumerian. The Sumerian view of the religion boils down to, we acknowledge that God exists, and we don't want a damn thing to do with any of them. I'm unsure how Agnes feels about the whole faith situation, but she would have definitely been raised Catholic. And it's a and in a later book, she did fight alongside a bishop. Unfortunately, I don't think this book is going to get the entire religious conflict with only three issues to go. Hmm. And in the back of the issue, there is a first part of an original Solomon Kane story in prose. So I thanks, Scott. Of course, had Solomon Kane, didn't they? Apparently, Marvel, Marvel might have got the entire Dark Robert Horse E. Howard Horse. library. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds. Like I, I, I was like, okay, I want to know how this plays out. I want to know what Conan's doing alongside Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. That just seems like a really weird combination. That is absolutely a weird combination. Um, well, Scott, that was a fantastic review. Thank you for doing that. So if there's anybody that wants their review read online, just write it in our Podbean not our Podbean, but our Discord under It's Too Wordy, and we'll read it on air. Yeah. As long yeah. as it's not too wordy. <laughs> yeah, but if there's something you want to check or want to uh, write up, please do it, because uh, I know we don't hit everything. There's just so many books out there. You know, we try to change it up, but uh, we may be missing something good. So we really got to get our website up. Yeah. We got to get that up. Then, we, then if you want to do a review, you just write one on the website. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you, Scott. Um, so I guess that takes us to our top 10. I'll go first since you just read all of that. <laughs> now, I did have to uh, cheat a little bit on the cues because there is not a lot of Q characters out there. Um, so 10 is Queen, Queen B, 9, Quicksilver, 8, Quake, 7, The Question, Rene Montoya, uh, 6, Quentin Choir, 5, Quasar the Fourth, which is Richard uh, Ryder, 4, Quasar, Wendell's version. Three, Queen of Hearts from Hatter M series. Uh, two, Coral Docks, which is Brady X5. And then number one is Question Vixage. Uh, nice. All right. So <clears throat> mine was Queen Maeve from The Boys, uh, Queen Bee, 
Number eight, Quisp from Aquaman. He is the uh, Mixapitalic or Batmite for Aquaman. Okay. I didn't know he had one. Yeah. He uh, was in the 60s. And I think he appears <laughs> later on, too. Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number seven, Quick Kick from G.I. Joe. Oh, my six. gosh. How did I forget that? I don't know. Um, number six, Quicksilver. Um, the X-Men. Quicksilver, and then on top of him would be Quicksilver from uh, Silverhawks. Oh my gosh, I forgot about him too. Oh, I I couldn't just I couldn't not put Quicksilver from Silverhawks on here. Uh huh. They really need to do a deep dive into Silverhawks. Yeah, because they they don't ever bring up their like what their real names were. I don't think in the cartoon before they became. Well, yeah, because it was just Steelheart and Steelwill. Yeah. And then Quicksilver and the Copper Kid and... The Cowboy. Yeah, uh, Bluegrass. Yeah. Um, five would be Quake from Secret Warriors. Not the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Quake. Um, number four is the Quardians. Number three, Quentin Quire. Number two is Quasar. And number one is the question. Nice. Can't believe I forgot. Quick kick. Go. <laughs> it's all right. It happens. Like I said, this yeah. these aren't like our top ten of all time. These are like right. our top tens of right now. Yeah. So. Um, news. Do you have any? I do. <gasps> um, Marvel has just canceled Ghost Rider again. <laughs> I was about to bring that one up, too, on Issue 7, At yeah. Issue 7. Um, Ed Bryson, the writer, went to Twitter and said, As many have assumed, Ghost Rider number 7 was the last issue of the series. I loved writing it, had a hell of a time telling Danny and Johnny stories and introducing the spirit of corruption. As far as their continued adventures, that will continue elsewhere in the Marvel Universe. Where? Where is it going to continue? Is it going to be a Doctor Strange kind of Midnight Suns crossover event? I don't know. The way he left that off, you wanted to read more. So right, and that's all. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that really sucks. Yeah, a lot. That was so good too. I I read that I'm like, oh come on, seriously, the one Marvel book I'm actually excited about. Right. Yep. Issue seven. They didn't even give it a full year. No. The other thing was there's a new Transformers cartoon on YouTube or uh, on Netflix called War. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's new. Right. It's awesome. It's just like the new books. Really? It deals with. Um, it's I think it's War on Cybertron and it's six episodes right now and there's that's chapter one and there's gonna be three chapters so it's probably going to be 18 episodes long it deals with the the war on cybertron in the earlier ages right before bumblebee is even a, a an autobot um skyfire or jetfire as they're calling him in this is still leading the Oh, what do they call the jets? 
but he's 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 the leader of the aerial wing of the Decepticons. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah, it it deals with you know how horrible the war is, what it what toll it's taking on certain characters like Ratchet. Ratchet was he's a medic who found out that he could make incredible weapons and he found out that his weapons were being used in in the war which he knew he was giving them up but he he couldn't stand watching everybody get killed by his own weapons so he he retired and just opened up his own um hospital and he gets dragged back into the conflict just crazy story it's it's really cool um some of the voices don't really fit like if you're used to starscream you're not getting starscream you're not getting soundwave you're not getting oh. shockwave you're not getting um yeah i mean even optimus isn't I want to say Frank Welker, but Frank Welker's Megatron. And I cannot remember his, his name because I'm not, you know me, I'm not the guy that remembers every little thing. Right. If I like something, I like something. I'm not going to, you know, learn everything about it. Right. But yeah, I can picture the guy's face, but I can't think of his name. Yeah. I would definitely check it out. I mean, the animation's good. The story's great. Just the voices kind of, I don't know, leave you flat. Hmm. I'll have to look into it. And then uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2 came out. And it's as confusing as ever. <laughs> Definitely. We, we watched the first episode and, yeah, it's... It's more confusing than season one. Hmm. Um, yeah, what do I have anything else? I don't think I do. Uh-uh. Well, it's quite a bit. That's good, though. Um, I did want to tell you, we, earlier we were talking about what book we wanted to do for next week, you know, and we brought up that Dark Knights, Death Metal, Legends of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, on eBay, it's actually going up to about $400 at this point because it's supposed to be introducing a character called the Robin King. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's supposed to be more evil than the Batman who laughs. Oh. Which I didn't think was all that evil to begin with, but, um, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, and then I saw something about, uh, it's kind of funny how you brought up Red Robin. Um, Red Robin's going to be joining a series. Uh, what was it? It's something with the great Power Rangers. Oh, here it is. Uh, Batman Power Rangers team up. They're bringing Red Robin into that. So Red Robin's back. Kind of cool. Hmm. And then uh, finally... I saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Hadn't seen it. Finally watched it with the family and 
that was a lot of fun. It was really entertaining. Um, I was really impressed with what they did with Mysterio. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it made sense because he's one of those characters. I'm like, how are they going to pull this off? And I like the way they did it. So yep. uh, absolutely worth checking out. I think uh, I think they've got the right voice going for that Spider-Man series. And I can even tolerate Aunt May in this. Well, Maybe it's, it's kind of hard not, not to. But I, I think a part of it, though, is she's not this decrepit old needs help with everything type, you know? Yeah. She can still do things on her own. And I think that helped, not that I'm being an ageist by any means, it's just that's why Peter never got anything done because Aunt May needed help crossing the street or something. You know, it's like be a little more independent. Come on, you know, use the supporting other supporting staff besides you just your nephew. Anyhow, um, so I like the fact that they have Aunt May a little bit younger and she's a little more uh, go getter type personality. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Was there anything else? Oh, I did watch something else. What was that thing called? Uh, oh, crud. Oh, I watched a series. I can't think of what the name of it is. It's um, Yeah, I'm blanking on it. But it's about a gal in high school who um, is dealing with her dad's death. And uh, she starts, anytime she gets mad, she starts having these power impulses fire off. And like she blew a whole bunch of trees down just because she screamed really loudly and that kind of a thing. And I can't think of the name of that stupid show for the life of me. Um, I've got Babysitter's Club. It, it is not Babysitter's Club. Uh, it's the same people that did the end of the effed world. Um, oh, I cannot think of the name of it, but yeah. let's see if I can find it here real quick. Hold on. It's going to bug me until I tell you, because it, this needs to be watched. It was so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to find it. I know it. Um, if I think of it, I'll I'll let you guys know. I just this thing was just a lot of fun. It was not Babysitters Club. I haven't I recently watched or watch it again. Here we go. It's in here. Of course not. Yeah, if I think of it, I'll post it in the uh, Discord and let you know. Um, but it is just fantastic as is a show called Russian dolls. If you haven't seen that, 
Um, that was a lot of fun as well. Um, so yeah, I wish I could remember the name of that so I could share it with you, but yeah, I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. Nope. It's cool. We can throw it in the notes later. Yeah. I, I know it'll pop into my head the second I we're done with this, but, um, yeah, she just starts having these powers that show up and she's got this sidekick character that's trying to help her. He, he did research to help her figure out how the powers came about. And his research was, uh, going through old comic books and were you near a gamma bomb? Did a spider bite you? That kind of a thing. Um, mm -hmm. It it left it on a cliffhanger. It's absolutely fantastic. I'm going to figure it out and I will put it put it in the notes. Absolutely. But otherwise, yeah, that's about all that's been going on. I thought there's not plenty of other things happening too. Oh. <laughs> all right. Does that wrap us so, up, Nick? Or you got something else? Uh. Apparently, Maxwell Lord is back in Wonder Woman number 761. Yeah, I saw that. I was going to mention that to you, see how you felt about that. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to read it. I mean, it's got a beautiful cover, the Jay Middleton cover. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't know. I, Max needs to go away. He had his time. I mean, he's about 30, 30 years past his fresh date. Yeah. He's not a sustainable character. No. He's got one motivation. He, I don't know. I mean, it was good to see him die off, which they should have just kept him that way. Mm-hmm. And why are they bringing him back over Ted? Right. Because they hate Blue Beetle. But they don't. They they may hate that incarnation of Blue Beetle, but, I mean, they keep bringing Blue Beetle back. Yeah. It's because they have they the rights to him. Black Beetle. Isn't there a Black Beetle? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's a black bat, too. <laughs> yeah. And that show is called I Am Not Okay With This. Oh, okay. Sorry. Just came to no. me. Cool. It's based All off right. of a graphic novel, so... All right. I think that about wraps it up, huh? I think that wraps it up for tonight. We made so it. I just uh, we made it a little bit further than I was expecting. The way we started off, kind of fired yeah. off there at the beginning. I'm like, I don't know if we're going to make it. In... <laughs> there wasn't really much to talk about for those. Yeah, there wasn't. So next week we will be continuing with a new book, and then we are doing the letter S. Um. As always, thanks for listening. And if you guys have any questions, comments, thoughts, please note them on your given platform that you listen to us on. 
Um, or you can reach out to us on the Discord channel as well. Nick, would you want to promote some of your other shows as well? So we have the – dude, I do too much. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> um, the Roll Die for Adventure podcast, which we are now running three different campaigns, but we're only bringing them out – well, two of them are coming out. One of them staying back until Dungeons & Dragons is over. Um, we're currently doing the Dungeon of the Mad Mage from Dungeons & Dragons in my own kind of way because I find going through a book extremely boring because um, you're just going from room to room fighting monsters and looking for clues. And that's pretty much all you're doing if you're not talking to a main NPC. Mm -hmm. And you only really meet an NPC like once or twice through a 80, 90 room dungeon. So we're trying to give it our own spin on it. We're also currently playing uh, <clears throat> Kill Sector, which is another RPG, which is very light on rules, but is very heavy on combat. It's like a giant anything goes wrestling match. Um, <laughs> this time I am playing, well, I'm not going to tell Yeah, I'll tell you what I'm playing. I'm playing a mummified cat from ancient Egypt who is just a walking skeleton. So he can't really take much damage, <laughs> which is going to be really fun. Um, so stuff like that. I mean, I know, I know a guy that played a rock who couldn't move, but he was really good at defense. <laughs> so, so we're playing that and we're also playing the, Great Plains Ghostbusters Adventure Hour, which is not an hour. It's more like two hours now because the way our players go, they <laughs> go a little bit. It gets kind of out of hand, and it's a really goofy adventure this time. And if you want to hear it, it's on our Patreon. The first episode is up on Patreon, so you guys can get a taste of it. We're, we only ask that you donate a dollar a month, and you can get all our episodes early. So if, if I'm done editing it, it goes up on discord or not discord. It goes up on Patreon. So just a dollar a month. And right now I'd, I want to say thank you to our new Patreon subscribers of Christine and Eric. And thank you very much. It's greatly appreciated. And it's going to help this show go probably for another couple of years. And Ryan, we and I are bringing out a new show, probably going to start at the end of this month. We haven't decided on a name of it yet, and we're going to bring it to you to help us decide. We have, it's going to be a deep dive, issue by issue, character by character, history of the books of magic. We are going to skip the first four issue miniseries and go into the comic books like series. We're going to start at issue one. Um, we have, so give us a vote on which one you guys want us to call this the life and times of Tim Hunter or hunting Timothy a books of magic podcast. Just let us know which one you guys prefer and we'll put it out and 
yeah, just let us know which one you prefer. I was thinking about uh, you're not you're not Tim Harry, you know, because or uh, <laughs> welcome to Hogwarts, Tim Hunter. But I did, I did ask Peter Gross one time about why they never sued Harry Potter mm -hmm. or J.K. Rowling. He said because they would kill us in court. J.K. Rowling's lawyers would kill mm -hmm. DCs, or at the time, DC. I think was owned by Warner Brothers, but they were like a separate entity and they would have just gotten killed oh, yeah. by her lawyers. So, and they were like, yeah, money. Our, we sell 60,000 issues a month compared to her multi-million opening day sales. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really too bad because I, I've read all the Harry Potter. I've read all the books of magic and I think the books of magic just far better storytelling, in my opinion. Better character development. But I think that's one of the reasons we're looking at doing the, or we're doing this series is just because of the depth and um, characters that are so intertwined in in this story. Uh, and he's he's a character that deserves more. Oh yeah, I mean. DC tried. We're bringing him back out in Justice League Dark, and they've he, he does have his own series, but you don't really see them advertising it. No, there's no there's no push for it. So we want to help spread the word of Tim Hunter to the world, and then we might move on. After that's over, we'll move on to another series. Yep. Like uh, Patsy Walker. Could be fun. <laughs> or Chili, Patsy's redheaded rival. <laughs> you never know. No, Chili was Millie's redheaded rival. So, all right. I think that's going to be good. So, everybody, have a good night. It's been Nick and Ryan, and we'll talk to you all later. See ya. Bye. Bye.